Welcome to Media Roots Radio. This is your host, Abby Martin. This is your host, Robbie Martin. What's going on? We're doing a double release. <laughs> double release podcast. Double so, LP. Uh, <laughs> going OG. But I really liked your uh, podcast about the anthrax stuff. That was really interesting. Thank you. I encourage you everyone listen. to check it out. Did you learn anything from it? Yeah, well, I just, I mean, I just learned so many different nuances. Like, you know, at first he was saying that he didn't realize that, um, you know, the, the Tom Daschle and all this stuff, like the people who were initially sent, and it was like they weren't against the Patriot Act, but then they kind of opposed the deadline. And so there's just like all these things that you just really dive into this timeline that I didn't really kind of, you just kind of think of everything as like, this kind of general narrative but it really goes into the nuts and bolts of um everything that went down and why it's so suspicious and why it's just yeah. obvious that we've been lied to about it and you know even people like glenn greenwald were coming out back then and putting out some of the most hard line investigations and um you know questioning the narrative more than anyone else really at that time Democracy i mean even keith now. oberman yeah keith that, oberman, that was Democracy one thing now. i've I, I don't particularly like Keith Oberman, so I fail. I, I kind of made a conscious decision not to put any clips of his show talking about anthrax in the movie that I made last year, but I watched some of them recently again, and I mean, he practically is saying that he thinks that it's like you could sort of read between the lines of what he's saying, and he does almost seem like he's accusing the Bush administration of being behind it, which is it's kind of in some ways mind-blowing because he was just sort of... I don't know, like he's just softened so much over the years. That was like the peak of his anger. He was calling out the Bush administration for some pretty serious things regularly on his show. And that was the most serious I've ever seen him. Yeah, that that one, that ran. And then he did like another one when the Bush administration was going to immunize themselves before they left office. And then another one when they passed. And like every time they would pass, like, you know, the Military Commissions Act or the Patriot Act, he gives just like these epic rants that were so scathing. It's almost like crazier than the stuff that I even say on breaking the set sometimes. And that's why it's so weird to see him now. Like Don, the Dante Stallworth thing came out that he was like, used to be a truth or whatever. And Keith Oldman did this video, like was one of the most scathing videos that I'd seen about Dante and how he was like discredited because he had questions about nine 11. And I was like, wow, that's weird. I just feel like the Keith Oldman 10 years ago would probably have been like, yeah, there's, definitely unanswered questions you know it's just like strange oh, he did and he did he was asked about it there's a video of someone like someone from we are change i think even asking him about it and he admitted that he thought there were a lot of unanswered questions and he wants like a new investigation all oh, this stuff no, like interesting really interesting <laughs> yeah. but then i think he also said something like he's here you know he thought he thinks the conspiracy theories are crazy but he but he had this different view of it you know back then right and whatever i mean it, you know but i think he was i think he was like attacking what I saw him doing, it was almost like this weird rivalry he had because he wasn't on MSNBC anymore and he was attacking that guy, Lionel, for going on M M MSNBC as a guest, you mm -hmm. know, or, or something. It was, it was weird. Oh yeah. That's know. the one thing that I just hate about this whole community is like so much effing infighting. It's like, I thought activism was bad. Wow. I mean, of course, journalists have like a almost a duty to expose each other when it's warranted, you know, like obviously if people are just like stenographers and lackeys for the establishment, of course, like that's our job to expose these people. But I just feel like there's just way too much infighting with people that are all on the same side. You know, it's just strange. Um, 
But I really, really wanted to dig in here and talk about um, Bill Cosby. <laughs> but look, Bill Cosby is a vile human being. And I just saw Roseanne Barr. This is so bizarre. I just saw her tweet today, like all in caps. It was like, Bill Cosby is innocent. Like these women knew what they were getting into, putting hashtag, putting hashtag allegations. It was like, what? Like, this is really weird. But it just got me thinking about how this man who we grew up watching and we didn't really watch the Cosby show, but I mean, you know, like America grew up watching this guy who was this father figure and, you know, for 30 or 40 years, he's been drugging women and raping their lifeless bodies. And that's his, um, that's how he gets off in life. And it's vile and disgusting. And it's, um, really unfortunate that no one's really done anything about it. And he still has like all these specials coming out and Netflix, you know, they're holding his special, but they're probably going to still release it. He's, like, going on tour and stuff, doing interviews. It's quite fascinating. Yeah, I mean, it is It is interesting how certain... I almost like to describe it as, like, classes of royalty. You know, if you transpose the same scenario on something that would have happened, like, a thousand years ago, like, protected pedophiles really only exist in, in terms of, like, they have to be powerful people. Or not, I mean, not even pedophiles, but like sexual predators, like people who rape and, and, you know, molest children. If they're not being caught and they are so prolific about it, the only explanation is that they are in a powerful position. They might have been royalty. They might have been a judge, um, a policeman, you know, something of a, in the structure of power. Right. But when you're a celebrity, when you are, and Bill Cosby was at the peak of the a black celebritydom in the seventies. I mean, besides Richard Pryor, he was the number one um, most famous black celebrity in the world. And he broke ground having like leading roles in movies in the seventies. I don't know. It's just an interesting phenomenon to me that I think can apply to a lot of different, you know, people, especially of recent memory, like um, Gian. Gian Gameshi and let's go over each case and and before yeah. we do it I want to talk also kind of about how other things will force you out of the public limelight that are actually way less serious I mean drug abuse um you know infidelity to your partner criminal activity like remember one Nona writer like shoplifted and then she just got like excommunicated out of Hollywood Sean Young um, was like an alcoholic and got excommunicated all Hollywood, but it's like Bill Cosby yeah. can be a serial rapist and just, it's okay. It's just very strange that this is this. Yeah. It is like a criminal. It, it's, I'm sorry. It's a celebrity impunity when it comes to sexual abuse and a sexual assault. Um, so let's kind of go over before we get into John Gomeshi, cause that is a whole nother beast and it's really fascinating too. Um, but Bill Cosby, in case people haven't been following the story and in case people think that this is like, lies and that these people are lying okay 17 women <laughs> and i think one man I, I, that might be Gian. it's hard to keep track but 17 women have come out and said that they all tell the same story um that he drugged them with date rape drug they took one drink and of course they're they're all like excited because like like you said most of it happened when he was at his peak he was this father figure he kept telling all these young girls that he wants to train them that they should trust him that he's gonna make them famous and all this stuff and then they need to learn the ins and outs and the ropes of hollywood and then they'd have like one beer or a glass of wine and then wake up with him just being like get a cab and they're like naked in his bed or they wake up with him like 
raping them or wake up naked somewhere random and drugged, clearly. And this is going on for years and years. And it, I think what the most disturbing thing is, is despite the enormous slew of evidence that you have, people like vehemently defend rapists. Um, I don't know what it is. Like all the statistics show that rape is actually underreported, that no, no victim gets pleasure out of reporting rape. There, it, it's kind of like the welfare queen myth where you say like, oh, they just want money. It's like these women aren't suing for money. You think they're getting money from like going around and t- doing interviews? Like what, yeah, is, what do you, how do you think they're getting rich? That is a really good uh, analogy to make because it is exactly the same thing. It's like, yeah, people I'm sure game the system, but that doesn't mean that like the, the idea of someone, you know, maybe like two years after they got raped finally coming forward is on its face false like it's just so weird that people immediately go to that idea that oh well they're just trying to you know they're just trying to make money because if they weren't then they would have gone to the police immediately that's like it almost seems like that's the best argument or defense people can come up with and it is kind of i mean it but it's very obvious when it's like someone who's such a you know a family friendly celebrity who's never really had any scandals before people look up to him and mm-hmm. think he's like, you know, has these family values and all this shit because of the Cosby show. You know, a lot of people will tend to automatically defend him. That's obvious that there's so much similarity between the, the disclosures between all these different women that it's not made up. I mean, that's just logic, sh- you know, shows yeah. that that's, you know, mathematically the odds of that being made up would be very, you know, they would have to have all conspired together. So that's just an invalid argument already. But it's almost more fascinating to me. Yeah, it's, it is fascinating that, you know, these celebrities can get away with rape for so long. But the most fascinating aspect is how were they able to do it right. for so long and not get caught? Right. It's not just because these women were too afraid to speak out. There is an integral component to that, which is that the power structure that surrounds them in Hollywood or in the CBC, in the case of Gian Gomashi, or in the case of the BBC, like Jimmy Savile, those power structures are very powerful power structures that essentially aided and abetted these criminals to be able to do what they did and either look the other way, you know, at, at the very least, they looked the other way and dismissed reports or accusations. And, you know, probably more likely they actually actively aided and abetted in some way at least protecting these people and from that's and that's exactly harm. what we found out through every case that's happened like even the bill cosby thing first of all this woman came out 30 years ago and, and actually settled out of court with him so this 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 has been in the radar for a long time that's why hannibal burress brought that up and it was like it was right i mean you know if you dig deep or if you dig deep before this blew up again these rape allegations were out there for a while and he actually settled and, and he released a statement. He was like super quiet about all this shit after it like came out again. And then his like lawyer, or whatever, like or his attorney released a statement saying like, there's no need to respond to allegations that are not true. And then they had to revise it to say like that. Most allegations aren't true or something because he had settled out of court with this woman that he had raped. So it was like, he like couldn't even say that they weren't true because he had already like gotten sued for it 30 years ago or whatever. It's very disturbing. And then his, uh, this other guy came out and said that he had worked as like Bill Cosby's pimp essentially so that he would like be outside the door while these young women would go up and get raped and then they'd leave. And he would be like the, he would give them the hush money. He'd like pay these women off. 
like Bill Cosby would like give them hundreds of dollars and then they'd just be like, you know, here's a cab. And for yeah. people who say they would have come out, first of all, they have come out. Second of all, you don't understand the victim shaming that goes on. Yeah, it's real fun, isn't it? It's real fun to be that girl. It's real fun to have your house burned down after you come out against the star football player like it happened in Steubenville. Yeah, that's fun because people really, really side with the victims in that case. And let me tell you one story about what Bill Cosby did that proves kind of how psychotic and sociopathic he is. This AP reporter did an interview with him like a couple of years ago. And uh, after the interview was over, he was like, she said it was really fucking weird and that he was super condescending and just insane. And she said that after it was over, he said, I'm going to give you fruit if like to let you know how the interview was like, I'll give you fruit. And she was like, okay, like totally forgot that he said that because it was so weird. And she said like a month later, a box came to AP and there was a dead dried up apple in it with a note that was just stamped bill cosby what the fuck yeah that happened and i'm sorry well, but how so he's like it, how long does it take for an apple to rot like that takes like months like where he must have sent an intern out and he was like go dig in a dumpster and find me a rotten apple what almost kind of reminds me what uh you know the stories we heard about ram emanuel before he got uh like chosen as the and he used to actually send dead fish to people like his oh political enemies God. I don't know if these people see themselves as powerful enough to have sort of this sway that like mafia members do, but in some ways they probably do at times have these narcissistic fantasies and they actually do believe that they can like intimidate people mm -hmm. in just crazy ways. I mean, that's batshit crazy thing to do to send somebody a rotten apple in the mail, especially a media organization. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, it's just an example of how probably truly crazy and megalomaniacal Bill Cosby is. When you see and hear about celebrities doing these things, you get surprised. But at the same time, I mean, think about what celebrity dumb does to an right. individual. Right. Sad. And it's sad. I mean, it's, but it it's is. sad. But look at what the lifestyle does to you. you you're surrounded by yes men. Um, you know, everything is handed to you. People are ingratiating themselves around you constantly. Mm -hmm. It mm -hmm. gives you this sense of false power. And <clears throat> in the case of Bill Cosby and Jimmy Savile specifically, they had were insulated by a different type of power where they had some sort of this weird channel into these like, you know, like I'm a family man, I'm a moral man kind of a thing. But in Jimmy Savile's case, it was much worse than what Bill Cosby did. I'm in my mind, at least because he molested a bunch of children and underage girls. And he did it via his he had like a, a top of the pop style, um, like star search style show in England where it would be all these like children musicians and, ch and child stars and that was like he was the host of the show for many many years and and he was like a household name in england like well, that, he was considered you, you realize that they're just like overcompensating like that guy who was like an all in the family and then he turned out to be a pedophile yeah i mean in this case i think it was even more it was like it was yeah there was definitely people who i'm sure were trying to cover for their pedophilia by doing that maybe someone like michael jackson you know, was trying mm -hmm. to act like he was just really liked kids and they had this really, you know, like reminded him of Peter Pan and he just really liked being around kids energy. Like that style thing was a cover for that, what he was really doing probably. But in Jimmy Savile's case, it almost seems more gross. And I guess there are some parallels to Michael Jackson too, because he would like lure children to his doorstep, <laughs> you know, and he, oh, and he had geez. a job that essentially allowed him to interact with all these children 
behind lock and key of like a BBC office. That kind of shit would go down all the time. And he even got to work in a hospital um, where he like molested patients at the hospital because of his like like he was a celebrity that was like allowed to do this like philanthropic duties for, you know, this country of England. So they would like let him go like, you know, like tend to this hospital and shit. It It just crazy stories that are unbelievable. And for years and years and years, people who worked with him and who worked under him knew that he was having sex, at least with underage girls. They didn't know how young, but some of them even witnessed him taking like 13 year old girls mm-hmm, to back mm-hmm. to his room and never said anything for years and later came out and admitted. Yeah, I saw this right. even. And, and I mean, even the most ridiculous example is a woman in her fifties now was like, yep, this is all true. I was molested by Jimmy Savile live on television. Here's the clip. Oh yeah. I read that, that he like, and she actually vagina or something. Yeah. Like at the very beginning is the camera zooming into this like kids, you know, star show contest show there's a girl sitting on his lap and she, and it looks like he's tickling her and she like leaps off of his lap and kind of laughs but later she said that he actually like put his hand in her underwear like live on tv like that's the level of hubris that oh, this motherfucker was operating at live at his job at bbc he was literally molesting a child on television holy shit and yeah, if that's on an insight i mean that's how protected these people are like a normal pedophile would not be able to yeah, do that. Yeah, you and know? it's also I just mean, so disgusting. It's like, dude, when did rape and pedophilia become acceptable? Like, I'm sorry, but it doesn't matter how famous you are. And here's Bill Cosby ranting for decades about respectability politics. Pull your pants up, black people. You guys are sh- shameful to the black race. It's like, well, you're a fucking rapist. So might want to just keep that criticism to yourself, Bill. Like, it's yeah. just unbelievable. And then he does this interview. I think it was like, I don't want to say with the AP again. Maybe it was actually. It was this interview after the, all these allegations blew up again. And this guy is interviewing him. And at the end of the interview, the guy like acts really scared. He's like, you know, I really, really hate to ask you this. Like, of course, I don't want to, but I have to. And it's like, what are you talking about? Like, you're, This is your job. Like, what do you mean? You know, you're just trying to ingratiate yourself so much with Bill Cosby. You know he's a rapist. And the guy's like, I really hate to do this. He's like, but, you know, I have to ask you about these allegations. He's like, do you have any response? And Bill Cosby was like, who's your boss? It was like it was like a switch went off. It was so weird, Robbie. You could tell, like, how psychotic he was. He was like, who's your boss? Like, what is his name? And how did you get this job? And immediately was just like, this is not airing. And everyone at your agency knows that I don't discuss these things and he was like i would have expected way more integrity from your organization he got like super super aggro and it was the most awkward thing ever and and he was like you need to promise me on camera right now that you're not going to air this and the guy was like i don't see why we he's like i can't make that promise like this is my editor's job it was like really weird man and then i guess they decided to release it in full because it was just like super revealing (laughs) like yeah i mean and 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 this is the interesting angle that I that I take from it. I mean, it's not interesting. It's my, I mean, it's just like it's in some ways just kind of like a paranoid, but like um, confirmation that we're not as paranoid as we think we are, you and I. And it's that you know this might not seem on its on its face like a quote unquote conspiracy, but it is because people protected people like Bill Cosby. He was surrounded by people that aided and abetted what he was doing and protected him from these accusations and his accusers. And 
you know, you think to yourself, well, how could this many people keep silent on it for so long and it be true? You know, but these things happen. I mean, right. they, they, they happen. Jimmy Savile is, a, is the, one of the craziest examples I've ever seen of people being able to keep quiet about a conspiracy of that magnitude. So I just, I just interesting to me that that's always sort of the argument when you sort of talk about, you know, well, what about this about 9-11 or what about this about the anthrax? You always get met with this answer of, well, how, how would so many people be involved in this and be able to keep it quiet? Well, I'm sorry, but I mean, Jimmy Savile to me blows that argument apart because he was, he molested over 50 children and the BBC protected him the entire way. They knew what was going on. I mean, yeah, that's been I mean, proven. I mean, the anthrax attacks alone, it could have just been like one person. I mean, you know, I mean, it does, I mean, not one person, it could have just been like a handful of people, you know, I mean, it doesn't, so that it just, it just bothers me, you know, it really bothers me. Uh, on the other hand, Sandy Hook, <laughs> that would have required thousands of people, it would have required parents and teachers and all these crisis actors yeah. and hundreds of children and city officials and da da da, like that to me is unbelievable because that, the conspiracy that's projected like makes no sense. But yeah, when you're talking about things like the anthrax, it's just, it's sad to dismiss it like that because it really doesn't, yeah. Um, I wanted to move on to Gian Gomeshi because this guy, I'm especially fascinated with his story because he, um, like kind of the similar thing to what you're saying is he kind of pr promoted himself as this um, really concerned liberal guy who was like this hipster kind of dude who ran one of the most popular radio shows in Canada called Q on CBC And he's spoken radio. out against misogyny a lot, oh, apparently, totally. on the show. And he hosted actual forums on, like, sex violence and rape, and um, he had, like, a whole debate about, like, rape culture and all this stuff. Like, super big ally, right? Ally to feminists and stuff. Called himself a feminist, all this stuff. Um, and it's just so interesting that, he, that his life has erupted into the scandal where it came out where he first published this giant letter on Facebook where he was like, you know, I have a secret to reveal. I really like BDSM. And unfortunately, I have a really upset ex-girlfriend who's going to come out and try to embarrass me. And he was like, everything that I've ever done has been consensual. And you're like, oh, shit, like shit's about to go down. Um, but he tried to do a preemptive strike and it didn't really work out because at first everyone was like, oh, wow, like how sad you have this jilted ex-lover who's going to try to frame you. And once again, get money, right? Like someone's trying yeah. to get money from you. He was, and he was <laughs> trying to appeal to the type of people who usually have a more nuanced and understanding perspective on, on the, how these things work, like the BDSM culture, right? People who practice in things that most of society might consider like, you know, not, not pleasant or they just maybe yeah, like, do you want to explain you know, really quick what that, that even is? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's basically he was he was claiming that he was really into um he kept saying like unconventional sexual appetite he was probably he was still like doing this weird narcissistic thing where he's trying to build himself up as like the sex god kind of thing in his thing and apparently that's how he saw himself too because um i mean yeah the bdsm culture is essentially at its core one of the main tenets of the culture tends to be it has to be consensual even when they're you're role-playing sexual situations where you know like a rape fantasy something like that it is done under the understanding that it is fully consensual and things are pre-gamed out where if you're going to like 
you know, force yourself upon somebody. It would be only in terms of being role played. And, you know, there are gray areas to that situation. Like people in BDSM culture sometimes take it to the hilt. They use closed fist hitting and things like that. And there's even facts online about how to hit someone with a closed fist and not cause yeah, damage. Not I mean, free, people yeah. are into some crazy shit. People are into what they call, you know, autoerotic asphyxiation, as it used to be called, is now called breath play by really hardcore BDSM predict, uh, practitioners. And it's a very dangerous thing to do. I mean, that's how a lot of people have died. Um, you know, uh, David Carradine died that way. Mm -hmm, I mean, it's, mm -hmm. so it's just... So they're in so BDSM people are into some really hardcore shit, but at the same time, even people who pre you know do like things like even as crazy as autoerotic asphyxiation, they're not going to do it without someone else's consent. So that's the key tenet yeah, to key. it is it still has to be <laughs> consensual. So and 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 Giangomashi apparently had consensual partners that that entertain these fetishes that he had and they were into them too like they would you know um hit uh like he would slap girls really hard and this was like some things that certain of his sexual partners enjoyed and they were and it was a consensual situation so that existed but the thing that he didn't take into account was that a bunch of these girls also apparently were introduced to his bdsm world um non-consensually like just completely out of the blue, he would start hitting a girl across the face with a closed fist during a normally, you know, the build up to a consensual sexual act. So he would be like making out with a girl, apparently, and this happened on numerous occasions. And just all of a sudden, he would just fucking punch them in the face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like he, super like, hard. It's like textbook. Like now, I think there's ten women and one guy, and this <clears throat> yeah. is once again over the course of the last twenty years or whatever that Gian Gameshi, and it's the same story. And, and it, even if they had kind of entertained like, and if I were dating a guy and he was like, Hey, yeah, you know, I like, let's like role play or something. I would be, I would like entertain it and then try to see, you know, what, what do you mean? Like, let's talk about it. And I think that that's, that was like his quote evidence is that he showed that some of these girls were like, yeah, like yeah. I'm, I'm down like online, but then it, it's a whole nother thing when you just invite a girl over who really looks up to you and then you just sock her in the face. Like one yeah. girl said that he came, she literally came to his house and within like a minute of being there, he just like punched her. And, she, and then yeah. she just said that she sucked his dick just to get out of there. She was like terrified for her life. <laughs> yeah. And, and um, I mean, I just don't think people understand that at the root of a lot of this fear and intensity, it's not that, you know, it's not that, oh my God, now that he has his dick in, in my mouth, I can bite it off and I can get out of here. That's not how those things work. That's not what no, Don Lemon tried to propose that to one of the people who talked yeah, about tell, Bill Cosby. Tell, yeah, this is insane. I, don't, I didn't even watch the clip, but yeah. all, the point I was trying to make is that at the heart of all of this, a man in 99.9% .9 of circumstances can kill a woman with his bare hands. And at the fundamental heart of like human evolution, there is an inherent evolutionary understanding that a man can and will kill a woman um you know if he deems it necessary and it's statistically proven that men you know are the mo one of the most dangerous threats to females <laughs> i mean you know the the i don't know what the statistic is but it's something like 90 you know percent of murders are committed by men you know or something like that yeah yeah we so. don't ever talk about gender of course because that's that giant it's not necessarily gender it's the way that we're raised and it's like it's it's masculinity really you know what i mean it's yeah. like it's not male and female it's just the way that 
this culture kind of encourages like masculinity and war and all this shit. And it just bleeds into every aspect of society. And it shows that we haven't really evolved in a lot of ways, but it is funny that Don Lemon and a lot of people will say like, you didn't have to suck his dick. Like that's not rape. And it's like, you have no idea what you're talking about. Like you're talking about a woman who's already in an inferior position because this guy is like a fucking God, you know, in, in the eyes of whatever Canada and the world and whatever. They're so powerful. You immediately think, first of all, I can never tell anyone because they wouldn't believe me. Same case with Bill Cosby. It's like, who the hell would believe me that Bill Cosby raped me? Like Bill, it's Bill Cosby. And it's also Gian Gmeshi, this feminist, like, you know, hugely popular celebrity. And it's like, if you try to bite someone's dick, what do you think is going to happen? Like the guy who just punched you across the face, strangle you to death. You know, like, do you think that they're going to beat the shit out of you? It's going to be like a Lorena Bobbitt situation. Or do you think they're going to be like this crazy bitch was giving me head and then bit my dick off and like put you in jail? I mean, it's just completely absurd to insinuate that that's what someone should do in that situation. Yeah, I mean, it's just I just think people don't sympathize enough with the intimidating factor of most rapists are. I'm sure mo- a lot of them are charming. They're cunning. They're they are the word sexual predator is the phrase is not just for no reason. It's it has predator predatory like aspects where you lure in your prey. You you know you you th- you make them look up to you. You sort of impress them. Um, maybe even you compliment your prey. You know you you mm-hmm, praise mm-hmm. them lavishly. You say that they're so beautiful. They're so hot. You know whatever. And then when the moment comes down to it, um, it's, it's like, you know, and, and, and I don't know. I mean, all I'm saying is that, that it's the predatory attitude of a sexual predator. I don't think me, most people take that into account. You know, it's not a lot of people who do this are serial like offenders. This is actually part of their like, like normal behavior. And in, in, you know, people who even worked with Gian Gamashi, um, and even a woman who wrote about going on a date with him, she wrote about this anonymously online and even didn't say who, who he was in the story. She wrote about going on a date with him before all these rape accusations came out. And she just made him sound like a really sort of rapey, creepy guy <laughs> who was trying to, kept trying to like put his hands on her ass and do all these things when she made it absolutely clear, like numerous times that she didn't want him to do it. And he just, it was like, he didn't even care. Like his hubris and his ego was so big that he just kept doing it. You know, like he just tried to put his hand on her tits, even after she like made it absolutely clear that she was completely disinterested in having sex with them. He just wouldn't let up. Right. And so that's just one example of like, you know, for someone as like who might be a sociopathic, you know, rapey type person, it's like, why not keep trying, you know? Like, yeah. uh, you know, just keep trying to push to the hill. No it's means like, yes, especially to someone yeah. like him. It's like probably even yeah. more of a turn on. Yeah. And then, and then also, you know, his coworkers, a lot of people who worked with him and who had spent time with him said that he was always quote creepy around women. And by that, they meant that he would do things like he would stand very close to women when he was just talking to them, like, you know, just socially yeah, yeah. engaged with them, like, like sort of take this sort of dominant position where he would stand very close and sort of look downward at them. Like two, you know, going invading their personal space. Yeah, yeah. You know, he, even, like he even told someone that he wanted to hate fucker and like grabbed her ass. And then when she tried to report it to her supervisors at the company, they were like, "How can we make this work situation less awkward for you?" Yeah. Like, how can we make it just less 
terrible for you. Like, no, no, they didn't even say that. They said something way... They basically, they didn't, they just, they said it very vaguely. So it's like, Gion's not going to get in trouble for any of this. Like, how can we move you around? So it's just like, this doesn't go anywhere kind of thing. And I think mm-hmm. she just like quit or something. Yeah. But it was but think- right. It's like total protection for decades of people within the company too. And it's not that CBC fired him because these came out. It's because they knew that they weren't going to be able to contain it anymore. Yeah. And do you think that, I mean, even the people who said that he was creepy around women, I mean, I, I know people in real life who are creepy around women. I, I don't have any evidence that they're rapists, but like, you know, I mean, the signs are sometimes there that like you can tell that someone just has this just sort of boundary issues, you know, the, their attitude towards women. There, there are people out there who seem like they are kind of like either sympathetic to rapists or they're just like have rape rapist tendencies that are everywhere the, out the, there. I, I mean, the thing that bothers me I mean, as much as even these people who get away with rape is like the apologetic community of men. And it's with the catcalling thing. It's with rape. And it's awful. It's really awful. And as a woman, I'm just really disturbed by it because I'm like even scared to talk about issues like this on the show because of how much hate I get. And I get a lot of hate Um, whenever I talk about this. I'm sure we'll get plenty for this episode. But I think that that is even more of a reason to talk about it because why are these issues so hot button? Why is it that rape is excused and apologized for? Why, why is that? Why is it that we can't, women can't come out and say, we don't like to be harassed on the street without being shamed or, you know, shut down. I mean, these are, these are serious issues. Like it's, it makes me feel uncomfortable. I remember one time I was in a club and waiting to see a show and I was just by myself and these skinheads turned around and like, put my face into a smile, like put his hand on my face. And he was like, smile. And I, and it was so disturbing to me. Like I didn't say anything because I was like terrified to like ruin, not only ruin my night, but I still am a little bit traumatized by it to where anyone, anytime someone tells me to smile, I think of that moment and I get yeah, really like, offended. Yeah. Or just like a stranger. Like, I mean, just the, just the mere idea of a stranger, a, a male who's physically larger than you, you've never met. Like putting his hands on your face, like just completely uninitiated, unprovoked. (laughs) Like that's really disturbing. I mean, a a person wouldn't do that to a man on the street unless he was about to fight him. So it is, I mean, it is really disturbing that any male, regardless of your race, uh, you know, age would find that appropriate, you know, would even find that remotely like if you're not doing that as a rapey behavior, like there are men out there who think that that's like chivalrous behavior, who it's like, it's charming to do yeah, that yeah, to women, yeah, you know, totally. like there's still like a weird old traditional vibe where like people actually mistake that for chivalry when it's actually like, to me, oh, like, yeah. don't do that to someone. Yeah. Don't it, do that to a woman ever. Yeah. And, and, and it's fun. I was so fascinated by all these threads after that catcalling video went viral of like how many people were defending just catcalling and it's like sure it might not be like quote unquote well it is harassment i mean it's street harassment but like if if 99 of women are saying we don't like this why do you do it you know don't tell me that it's because you oh what are you saying that we can't talk to you no dude it's just that we're saying we don't want to be like harassed or just trying to get somewhere and it makes us feel uncomfortable it makes me feel scared to even like walk alone sometimes well, yeah, I mean, anybody who's let's just let's just play this very 
realistically, any of these assholes who are defending, you know, people for catcalling or whatever, imagine it if it were your, you know, your mom, your sister, or your girlfriend or your wife. Would you want them to walk alone down the street knowing that they might get catcalled multiple times trying to get from like destination A to destination B? No, you wouldn't. And it wouldn't matter to you at that point if these people were well-meaning or not, if they weren't rapists or if they weren't people who were going to actually assault your, you know, your loved one. Would it matter to you? You just wouldn't want it to happen. So you know where that kind of thing leads and you know that it's not, you know, something that you would be unwanted if you witnessed it. And if you were there, you know, if you're there with your girlfriend or wife and someone cat called you, people who are in relationships or who have spouses have had that experience and it's very unpleasant very awkward sometimes it's even scary because you don't know what could come after that if you speak up for yourself or if you say mm-hmm, anything mm-hmm. back to the person so i mean just that alone it's like of course this is not good behavior of course girls shouldn't have to deal with this and it's just retarded that all these people would be like trying to brush it off because if they put themselves in that scenario i was just explaining they would sympathize with it <laughs> Let's talk about Terry Richardson, because this is a guy who another kind of celebrity rapist who um, actually probably one of the worst defenders because it almost seems like he doesn't hide it. And it's all under the guise of art, quote unquote. Um, and he just has gotten away with it for a long time because he is a fashion photographer who's, you know, he's photographed with Obama and Oprah, Chloe Savini, like any anyone that you can really think of he's photographed with. And I'm sure he's not jerking off on Obama's face. You know, he, he does this to really, really, really young models who get told by their agents, you have to go shoot with this guy. And if you don't, you're going to be excommunicated from the industry. And then once they're there, he, you know, he undresses with them. He's like, come on, it'll be fun. And then he'll just be like, touch my dick. And then he'll just like, next thing you know, they're just getting raped, essentially. Yeah, he's another one of those like protected class people. And... Yeah, it's really disturbing. I've 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 been keeping up on his, you know, his accusers for years and and I found him very disgusting all the way back when I had no idea he was, right. you know, accused of doing these things. Simply yeah, he for just the looks fact like that like a rapist. <laughs> yeah, and it's also just like just the presentation cuz I first heard of him from Vice. I think that's yeah. how a lot of I think that's actually how a lot of people first were introduced to him is he would do a lot of the photo shoots for Vice. And they even did a few like articles about him, you know, like, like sort of like articles just about his photography in the magazine a a long time ago. And I remember when I was reading through this and, you know, he presented himself as this really freewheeling hypersexual guy who, you know, just like expressing his, his sexuality and getting the other girls to be sexual, like, you know, overage girls and it was all consensual or or whatever. And when I learned later that Vice magazine was co-founded by a guy who was like openly a pretty hardcore, like misogynist. Like he's one of the guys that promotes that idea of misandry. His name is Gavin, Gavin McGinnis. Um, he co-founded vice with Shane Smith. If you read his Twitter. Yeah. If you read his Twitter feed just even today, like he's, he's not evolved with vice anymore, but if you read his Twitter feed, you can kind of get an idea of where this sort of modern rape culture under the guise of hipsterism and like free love like you know we just want to have a lot of sex and you know so it's like yeah it's like the american apparel environment it's like yeah very very similar very similar vibe very similar vibe it was like and when i first saw gavin mcginnis talk and present himself i saw him as this disgusting creepy motherfucking piece of shit 
and I didn't even really know who he was. I was like, who is this piece of shit? He was like on a HuffPo <laughs> interview. And when I found out Wait, later, I was like, co-founded Vice? Co-founded Vice. And that explains wow. a whole lot about their sort of how the, the presentation has evolved. It sort of takes on this. It sort of grabs things from this like, you know, hyper-sexualized modern culture. But in the case of Terry Richardson, and I, I'm sorry I went off on the tangent, but Terry Richardson specifically, I think, epitomizes that sort of idea and the American apparel sort of thing. It's like they're kind of on a similar plane using their power to coerce girls and sometimes underage girls to have sex. And aside from these specific people who have accused him of not uh, Richardson of non-consensual sex, just the general theme of, of that, you know, using your power and influence to coerce young women into having sex is a form of just creepiness in and of itself. You know, it's not something that that I think is okay, but you know, again, it's not necessarily illegal. It's still a really creepy and sleazy thing to do. And I don't think it should be, you know, seen as, um, you know, criticism of it should be seen as slut shaming or like sex culture shaming. It's just disturbing. Yeah, no, it is disturbing. The American apparel thing, it sucks to me because I really want to buy like wholesale from American apparel for my art stuff. But I'm like, I don't even like, cause there's barely any clothes that are made in America. <laughs> That you can like do wholesale and stuff. And I'm just like, damn, like this company is just so disgusting. You know, it's just, I mean, luckily I think the CEO is stepping down or something. Cause I think that something happened recently. I forget what it was, but I mean, he's been getting away with that shit for years, like super just unabashed, you know, well, he'd just be like, I just, we have like orgies here and just, you know, just acting like it's just no thing. Really interesting stuff. Um, I know that you have to go. I know you have to go. Well, let's do another episode about Ferguson soon. Okay. Sounds good. All right. Well, everyone, thanks for listening. We just kind of wanted to rant about rape stuff because <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's a hot button issue and it, you know, that's, that's more the reason to talk about it. And, you know, it's good. It's good that we address it because it's been something that I've been really, really looking into, um, in a very disturbed way. So I'm, I'm happy to get it off my chest. Yeah, it was good to talk. And so let's do, yeah, let's do another one soon. Yeah, let's do another one real soon. We'll have fun at dinner. Everyone, thanks so much for listening. Uh, donate to MediaRoots.org to keep up with our operating costs. Check out AbbyMartin.org. I'm doing a fire sale. Not really, but I'm offering a free print for every purchase of my art over $50. Buy some Christmas stuff. I got a bunch of new merch up there. T-shirts, canvas bags, all that good, good stuff. Um, and yeah, Robbie, anything that you have that you want to talk about? No. Um, just uh, check out my last episode of, uh, of with interview with Graham McQueen, uh, the anthrax, the 2001 anthrax deception, and uh, yeah, everybody have a good uh, have a good rest of your evening. Have a good evening, everyone. We'll talk to you soon. Bye.